0: Uh, Good to see all the Christians. The other uh, so-called Christians are at home probably watching that football team. Just remember, for those of us who are recording, glad the game is good. Can't wait to see it and not hear about it ahead of time. So if you will, please remember, don't, even at your table, you don't know who might be recording it, and you're looking at your phone instead of listening to me, they don't want to know the score, so let's, uh... hey, 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 (laughs) hey, (laughs) this place is already out of control. With the advent of technology, which is the video, uh, we have to start pretty close to straight up at five, so uh, thanks for doing that. The hardest person to keep on track in this whole thing will be me, so that's your job, (laughs) keeping me straight. All right, let's pray and we'll get started. Father, thank you for your word. Your word is truth. And we long to look into it tonight to understand your word better, but more importantly, to understand you just a little bit better, and that would enhance uh, our awe and reverence and worship of you. We love you, and we pray that your spirit would be our guide tonight, please, and we pray for it in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, a few little housekeeping things. Class begins at five, and that's because the video begins at five. So if you would, please check in and wear a name tag, and there's a little check-in station right outside there. If it ever says to you you have no class to register for, sorry, you'll have to go to something else. Uh, Let Laurie know, and we can get that fixed. It's just a little database thing. And if you have any questions whatsoever, the Bible answer woman is Laurie in the back. Laurie, E-L-A-U-R-I-E-E, Laurie E at Christchapelbc.org. If you'll email her, she would be happy to find you an answer. Here's why we're doing this class, to give you a chronological big picture of the Old Testament better knowledge, deeper love for God, and ultimately more heartfelt worship. Uh, One of the things I think is important is you know just a little bit about me, and so you'll hear other things about me throughout the next uh, two years. I know, sorry. The Christians who are left are now rethinking Uh, Our intention is to go from Genesis 1-1 through Malachi. Yeah, we're going to do it. Uh, And so one of the things I think is important is just a hundred words on my spiritual story. So somehow when I was growing up, uh, I got the idea that the only way I could gain acceptance uh, by God was through spiritual performance, Uh, Striving to earn or merit or impress God by how I lived my life. Uh, Then I met Jesus Christ by reading the Bible. (laughs) How strange. By reading the Bible uh, when I was 24 and found out that acceptance with God is completely and totally a gift free for me for the asking. And so at the age of 24, uh, the Lord, I always say, did, When did somebody, or somebody will ask me, You know, when did you find Christ? And I say, I didn't find Christ. He found me. He found me in here. Uh, so I love the Word of God because that was the vehicle with the Spirit of God that brought me to faith in Christ. So I love the Word of God, and I would love to talk to any of you who say, I've got a question about this, Uh, I've got a question about how do I get accepted by God, et cetera. I'd love to talk to you about those things. One other preliminary, um, I've had the privilege of studying a lot, reading a lot, going to seminary, talking to professors, all those kinds of things. There's probably, in all of this presentation, there's probably one or two original thoughts. Yeah, for the next two years. The rest of it is, I'm sure, I heard it, read it, or stole it from someone, but I've forgotten. And so it'll look like I'm saying it's mine, but it probably isn't, just statistically. Does that make sense that I'm telling you? this, is, this I'm standing on the shoulders of other people in doing this. Uh, so anyway, if you don't like what I'm saying, that's totally fine. You should do your own research, and you should write a paper, and you should give it to me so that I can critique your work in the same way you want to critique mine. I'm happy to, I'm happy to do that. Yeah, seriously, we, we would have fun doing that. I've actually had a couple of papers in the past 10 or 15 years. They don't go to Christ Chapel anymore, but... Uh, <laughs> Last week, we stopped right here. God not only remakes the earth, but he adds life to it that was never there before. We've just found out in the first Toledote that he has created man in his image and likeness with a mind to know him, the emotional capacity to love him, a will to obey him, slash disobey him, and with a purpose, to revere him, to reveal him, and to rule in his place. And he does all of this through the sovereign agencies of his word and his spirit. If you're not careful, that could sound kind of New Testament to you. So don't be alarmed. Uh, You're going to see some things in the Old Testament that look very New Testament. God is doing this work through his word and through his spirit. Funny, that sounds just like my hundred-word story on my spiritual journey. God works through his word, and he works through his spirit, and he has from page one until today. What's the point of the first Toledote? Adam stands ready to fulfill God's purposes. Second Toledote, so if you flip back to page... Is it like page three, maybe? I don't have it in front of me. Is it page three where the book chart? Yes, page three at the bottom. It's kind of tiny. You might need a magnifying glass. The second Toledote... If you watch any of the science or history channels or things like that, this is where they go, (laughs) ha-ha, there's two creation accounts. Uh, Not so. If you knew Moses' chapter divisions, chapter 1 through chapter 2, verse 3, Moses is telling us, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What does he begin with in chapter 2, verse 4? Whatever became of the heavens and the earth, God says, here's what I created, or Moses says, here's what God created, and then the second toledote is, well, whatever happened to those things? This is not a second account of creation. This is whatever happened to these things. And Moses, God through Moses, tells us what happens. By the way, um, Moses, remember, is born about the time of the exodus, Moses wasn't around to see these things. Oh, what does that mean? (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Well, it's possible that all of this is oral tradition. It's also possible that writing was in place a lot earlier than anyone thinks. And whatever notes might have been taken, it's possible that they were given to Noah. Noah and brought over through the flood, and handed on. It's possible. I don't know. I'm happy with oral tradition. I'm also happy if there is a written version that Moses had access to. But Moses wasn't here. Just so you know, remember, Moses wasn't here when these things were happening. He had to get this information from somewhere. Now, maybe God just told it to him directly. Possible. That's also a possibility. All right. Chapter 2, verse 4, through chapter 4, whatever became of the heavens and the earth? Well, who is our key character? It's Adam. What does God have Adam do? Name the animals. He does so. He finds no one who looks like him. But finally, God creates a suitable helpmate for him. Interesting, if you'll look at... Well, you won't, so I'll just tell you the answer. That when God creates a helpmate, Eve, for Adam, there's two key Hebrew words that go on in there. One is a completer, and the second is a complement. N- not with an I complement, an E. A complement, okay? Okay. She completed him, and she complemented him. Like this. This is how Adam would have seen Eve. Someone who completes me, and someone who complements me. Interesting. That hasn't changed. Adam gets a completer, and a complement. He also encounters with Eve uh, a nefarious creature. So some of you say, gosh, Bill, I don't believe what you said about the, you know, Genesis 1, 1, and 1, 2. That's okay. You don't have to believe me. But somewhere before Genesis chapter 3, the re- angelic rebellion occurred and Satan came to earth. Uh, So you don't have to put it in between 1-1 and 1-2 if you don't want to, but it occurred somewhere before chapter 3. Right? Nod your heads. Yes. Got it, Bill, because we know, they don't know, but we know who's in the garden. So Adam starts well. He starts naming the animals. He's like, yes, I got an Eve. This is good news. What happens? Hey, guys, just one thing. I put a tree in the middle of the garden. Now, look at this. Look all around. Can you imagine you don't have to do one thing to feed yourself? You just pull it off the tree or I don't know if it just, I don't know what else happens. You don't have to work for food. Just one tree. Would you not eat from that one tree? We clear? Yeah, Lord, we're clear. Evidently not. (laughs) We're not as clear. Because... Adam and Eve are hanging out by the tree when who shows up? Now, we don't know it at the time. In fact, we don't find out that the serpent is Satan until the book of the Revelation. All the way to the end. So what would they have known? Well, I don't know. He wasn't a snake yet. Was he beautiful to look at? Was he Extremely articulate, maybe? I don't know. But they listen to him. And what does he say? He says, he, he, he quotes scripture, but he'll leave a part out or he'll expand a part. So Adam starts well, but evil is afoot. By the time we're to chapter three, we're in the second Toledo. Whatever happened to this good thing God created? In fact, He said it was very good. And Adam and Eve are like, yoo-hoo! Evil is afoot in chapter three. Adam didn't know what he was up against. One of my professors, uh, he's with Jesus now. He knows all the answers, which is really good. Uh, he used to say, Selah, S-E-L-A-H. You read it in the Psalms. Um, he he translated it, <laughs> um, Selah, as stop and think about it. So if you ever hear me say, Selah, now that's not what it really, that's not how it really translates, but <laughs> that's how I want you to think about it. It was a great... um, It's not a paraphrase. What is it? I don't know. Stop and think about it. Adam didn't know what he was up against. Selah. Neither do you or I know what we are up against. Crafty. Wily. Eve, deceived by Satan ate and by the way Adam is standing right behind her he takes a bite too okay books have been written on that you can go read some the point is Eve ate it Adam ate it too result they no longer trusted God's character they disobeyed God's word they fell into spiritual death and now This good thing that God had created, in fact, this very good thing God had created, groans under judgment and conflict. Crumb. We're only three chapters in. (laughs) And everything is groaning under judgment and conflict. So if you're God, you say, neener, neener. Neener. You made your bed. Lie in it. Oh, no, that's not what God says. What does God do? God sees what has happened, and he steps into it. He steps in and does for them what they couldn't do for themselves. Let's see, where is that? Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Um. So we're at the end of three. And God does something else very protective for them. He stations a cherubim or a cherubim at the entrance with a flaming sword to keep them from coming back in and doing what? Eating from the tree of life. Because they would have been lost in sin forever. You say, why was God so mean as to kick them out of the garden? He actually did it in grace to keep them from heaping more stuff on themselves. So how does God handle this? He does what they couldn't do for themselves. When they said, we, you know, he said, hey, where are you? (laughs) Who told you you were naked? (laughs) He goes, okay, I know what's happened here. He gathers them together. There were obviously animals running around at this time. And so what does he do? He takes an animal, he slays it, and he uses it to atone for their sin. How are they clothed? Now, probably, I don't know, probably they're going to be clothed in animal skin. He restored their fellowship with him. Hebrews 9.22, it takes blood on the altar to have fellowship with God. Uh, I had a friend. He used to live across the street from me. As far as I know, he still has yet to trust Christ. We talked about it for many years, and one day we we were pulling the trash out to the curb, and um, you know we we started talking about Jesus again, and he said, "You know, if Jesus is real," so that was if Jesus is real, he says. And let's say he asks me, "Why should I let you into my heaven?" I'm just going to tell him. I'll just explain my case, and he'll accept it probably and let me in. I said, "Well, it takes blood on the altar to have fellowship with God. Whose blood? Not mine. Jesus. It takes blood on the altar." to get right with God. As Cody was talking about this morning, there's only two choices. One, someone else can pay the debt for you, or you can pay it yourself. And after eternity, you will not have paid off one penny of your debt to God. I need you to imagine that. After eternity, not one penny of your debt will have been paid. But Jesus says, I pay it all. Come and enjoy life with me. We have an amazing Savior. 3.15, he gives them the promise of hope. He says that he'll cause hostility between you and the woman. And between your offspring and her offspring, he will strike your head and you will strike his heel, fulfilled on the cross. But he has given Adam and Eve hope. Instead of leaving, oh, by the way, he sent them to the east, right? And that's where you put the angel with the flaming sword. So they couldn't come back to the west, Need I remind you what direction Dallas is? (laughs) East of Eden. God steps in and redeems His people. From the first pages of the Bible, God has stepped in to redeem His people. And take care of their problem. He's doing that all the way to the end until, as Cody described, there comes a time when he says, it's too late. We are not to that time yet. But that time is coming. He gave Adam and Eve a promise of hope. Well, so whatever became of the heavens and the earth, sin entered the human race and brought disobedience disease, decay, and death. That's what happened to the good and very good creation that God had done. Sin entered the human race. How did it come in? Through the being, we know him as Satan, in the garden. So whenever you've got the angelic rebellion occurring... It's already occurred, and Satan is here. And he takes down the human race. Well, whatever became of Adam? So if you look back at your book chart, what's the next Toledote? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, whatever became of the heavens and the earth? Oh, something horrible happened. Well, then whatever became of Adam? Do you see how Moses is laying this book out so orderly, logically, whatever became of Adam. Chapter 5, verse 1. This is the written account of the descendants of Adam. Very, very interesting verse. When God created human beings, he made them to be like himself. He created them male and female, and he blessed them and called them human. When Adam was 130 years old, he became the father of a son who was just like him in his very image. Uh Uh-oh, something has happened to humanity. Adam and Eve created in the image of God. What happens to their children? They're created in the image of Adam. Get used to this sound. This is very, very bad. This little verse that you've never seen before is very, very bad. Because this is what has brought humanity under judgment. Bill, are you saying even judgment from birth? Yes. Yes, I am. There are three. Write them down. They're not in your notes. Three great imputations in the Bible. An imputation, if you're an accountant, if you're going, it's kind of an accounting term. If you're going to impute something, you're going to take it from one account and you're going to put it into some other account. Three great imputations in the Bible. The first The imputation of sin to Adam. This is Paul's argument in Romans chapter 5. By the time you get to 5 verse 12, men, this is particularly for you. You think, I know I saw you. I saw your faces when Eve ate the apple. I saw your faces. But in Romans chapter 5, where does Paul lay the blame? Adam, did Adam eat first? No, but Adam was the representative, and God imputed sin to the race of Adam. You say, well, that's not fair. Well, that's what he did. <laughs> you want not fair? Here come the next two. The second great imputation is the sin of the world to Jesus on the cross. Fair? No. No. First imputation, the sin of Adam to all humanity from birth forward. Second great imputation, the imputation of the judgment, the sin of man onto Jesus at the cross. Third great imputation is the imputation of righteousness to the believer's account. Three great theological imputations in the Bible. This is the first of them. I thought I'd go ahead and tell you, give you the answer of two and three, because you say, well, that's not fair for God to do that because of Adam. Well, far more heinous is Jesus having to take on the sin of the world onto his shoulders on the cross. He who knew no sin became sin. Don't skip over those verses. He who knew no sin became or took on sin for whom? For you and for me. And for those who believe. Imputed, credited to our account is the righteousness of Christ. What righteousness could I muster by myself? Really none. And God says, I don't want you to have none. I want you to have everything. So I'm going to impute the righteousness of Christ to your account. (laughs) What? You go from uh, a bank account at zero or even overdrawn (laughs) to one that has a limitless supply of righteousness. Whatever became of the heavens and the earth, sin entered the human race and brought disobedience, disease, decay, and death. Ugh! Well, whatever became of Adam? Well, Adam begins to have children. Okay. Now have come lots and lots of ideas. Remember, all things are possible. Not all things are equally probable. This is where some have speculated Well, maybe this is where the aliens were. Aliens showed up so that Adam could begin breeding with the aliens. There are some people who think that. Other people think, well, there was another race of people running around, and this is just, we're just focused on one race of people. Adam and Eve are the first and only people. What is this telling us? Back to my argument on, um, I don't know how old the human race is, but this is an open genealogy. Because the only other people around for these fellows to get married to are their sisters. Now, my contention in all of this, you're like, Whoa. Oh my gosh, do the elders know? I, go ahead, write it up. Turn me in. <laughs> they would have had to marry their sisters. Now, I know that that's illegal these days, as it is out, I think, to the cousin, <laughs> right? And for good reason. In those days, my contention is that Adam and Eve were the smartest, bestest people ever. And the inbreeding of sin is what has taken us down through the millennia. It doesn't seem to be a problem later on that Noah and his boys build a boat that's giant. Now you can say, well, it was myth and fable. They didn't really build a boat. I think they did. (laughs) And it doesn't seem to have been beyond them. Why? Why? Because they were a lot better than we were. (laughs) We're getting dumber and dumber and dumber, not smarter and smarter and smarter. And why do we see all this rise in disease and decay and all those things? Why do we see that? Because of the inbreeding that's been happening over millennia. Eee! Right? You want to put your fingers in your ears and stamp? Well, that's okay. That's what's happening. Just telling you. Whatever became of Adam, Adam has lots of kids, and they get really old. Man, if you get tired of your kids at 16 or 18, imagine if they're 187. (laughs) How long are you going to sit on my couch and play video games? You know, get up, get a job. (laughs) Can you imagine these conversations? Oh, my goodness. So, Adam is 130 years old when they start having children. His first is Seth. After that, Adam lives another 800 years. He had other sons and daughters, but we don't find out what their names are. How many? We don't know. Adam lived 930 years, and then he died. Seth is 105. He he begets, or, you know, Enosh is born... Keep going down. You go, Whoa, gosh, this is the stuff I skip over, right? I've never read this stuff before. Go ahead and read it. It's really fun. Verse 21. Oh, I don't want to do that yet. Hold on. Hold on. Okay, whatever happened to Adam? Well, mankind becomes corrupt through sin, and then through civilizations of his own creation, he tries to fill the void of relationship with God with other things. Okay. Two lines begin to emerge from Adam. Remember, what is, what is my take on the book of Genesis, the family tree of faith? Therefore, Moses is only going to include what's important to advance the storyline. It's not important that we know how many sons and daughters, and what their names were, and how long they lived. That's not of interest in the telling of the story. Are you tracking with me? Because this is the family tree of faith. Moses has, he has an agenda here. He's going with Adam, and he's going to keep going until something begins to happen. And that is, two lines begin to emerge from Adam. There's the line of Cain, and there's the line of Seth. The line of Cain, and if you'll read through chapter 6 in particular, uh, bad things begin to happen. Then the people began to multiply on the earth, and daughters were born to them. The sons of God saw the beautiful women and took any they wanted as their wives. Then the Lord said, my spirit will not put up with humans for such a long time, for they are only mortal flesh. In the future, their normal lifespan will be no more than 120 years. Now, that's an interpretation of lifespan of 120 years. That is definitely a possible, in fact, very probable interpretation. I think there's a better one, but this one is legit, okay? So the New Living Translation has actually made an assumption here on our behalf, and said, in the future, their normal lifespan will be no more than 120 years. In those days, and for some time after, giant Nephilites, the Nephilim, you're waiting to hear the answer on the Nephilim, I'm going to underwhelm you. In those days and for some time after, giant Nephilites lived on the earth. For whenever the sons of God had intercourse with women, they gave birth to children who became the heroes and famous warriors of ancient times. The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe the human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, and I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I ever made them. Verse 8. I love verse 8. But Noah found favor with the Lord. What is beginning to happen? Why is the Pentateuch written? Because Moses is standing on the east side of the Jordan River, they're about to cross to the west, and he's saying, How did we get here? What's one of the prohibitions they have once they go over there and start conquering the other peoples? Do not intermarry with those people. That's one of the prohibitions. Uh oh. <laughs> What's beginning to happen back here before the flood? Two lines are beginning to emerge from Adam. There's the line of Cain that was, they were about society and culture, music. They created weapons. They have Lamech, 4, 23 and 24. Why did I have that one? Oh, Oh, yeah, what a friendly guy Lamech was. Ada and Zillah, hear my voice. Listen to me, you wives of Lamech. I have killed a man who attacked me, a young man who wounded me. If someone who kills Cain is punished seven times, then the one who kills me will be punished seventy-seven times. Woohoo! This is the guy you'd want on your side. What a friendly guy Lamech is. Lamech is going to take justice into his own hands. He's going to play… he's going to play God. The line of Cain begins to become increasingly wicked… And I think from verse 24 you can summarize the line of Cain as those who are playing God. These are the sons of men. In contrast with what I've just read, remember we talked about the sons of God saw the beautiful women and took any they wanted. Now they're, they're calling those the sons of God. I'm going to reverse this because this is the bad line. Here's the good line, the line of Seth. They saw themselves as pilgrims on the earth. Oh, this is great. Okay, Enoch. Woo, Enoch. Chapter 5, verse 21. When Enoch was 65 years old, he became the father of Methuselah. Now, Methuselah is probably somebody you've heard about. He was really old. (laughs) Enoch, after the birth of Methuselah, Enoch lived in close fellowship with God for another 300 years and he had, <laughs> another 300 years and he had other sons and daughters Enoch lived 365 years walking in close fellowship with God then one day he disappeared because God took him You kind of go what what are you talking about? He took him. Cody next week will be speaking on the rapture. There are two great illustrations of the rapture. We didn't make this up. Some people go, you guys, you just want to avoid pain and suffering and all this stuff in the tribulation, you, you Christians. Uh, uh, yes, I do. <laughs> I'll admit that. <laughs> I don't want to go through that. But that's not why we think it's correct. It's correct because even back in chapter 5 of Genesis, we have an example of the rapture. And you go, well, how is that an example of the rapture? Oh, that's why I need the whiteboard. Oh, but I want to pull it out. Okay, here's your assignment for those who want to. This is the Phi Beta Kappa uh, thing right here, okay? Draw a timeline from the flood, backward with the ages of these people, you will find something very, very interesting. You will find that Enoch is actually raptured. He's taken out before the judgment of the flood hits. Do it on the timeline, baby. Come on. There's another group symbolized by Noah who goes on top of the flood to safety. Gentile, Jew. And you say, well, that's one picture. Give me another one. Gotcha. Lot, remember the story of Lot? judgment is coming to Sodom and Gomorrah. Yes? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Angels come. What do they tell Lot? Get out of town. In fact, hurry up. We can't let the judgment happen until you and your wife get out of town. Now, she unfortunately turns back, but he is rescued before the judgment comes, occurs. Right? We have not made this thing of the rapture up. It's illustrated all the way back into the first half of the first book of the Old Testament, back in Genesis. There are examples of the rapture where God... You say, one more. Gosh, sorry. Preaching. Here we go. In the New Testament, what is the church called? The bride of Christ. If my house was burning down and Laurie is inside, do I say, honey, you'll learn something from the suffering that comes with being in that burning house? I, on the other hand, am safely outside watching this happen. Are you kidding? And the Lord, who is a perfect husband, is he? Ah, this is, it just drives me crazy. Is he not going to go rescue his wife, his bride, before whammo happens? Yes, he's going to go get her out. My goodness, there's so. Oh, stop it, Cody's going to have a great sermon. I haven't stolen it all. Just you, you come next Sunday. You'll hear, you'll hear more good stuff. He's not going to tell you this. This is. What we used to call five o'clock special stuff. This is, this is good stuff. You just you sit there and nod your head. Mm, Cody. Mmm, mmm, mm. Mm-hmm. Okay, Enoch. Enoch's rapture. Okay, Enoch is taken away. Hey, look, there's another Lamech. In verse 28, when Lamech was 182, he became the father of a son. Lamech named his son Noah. For he said, may he bring us relief from our work and the painful labor of farming this ground that the Lord has cursed. After the birth of Noah, Lamech lived another 595 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Lamech lived 777 years, and then he died. By the time Noah was 500 years old, he was the father of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The line of Seth had faith in God's word. They began following God. These are the sons of God. What's the problem? Sons of God are marrying daughters of men, and sons of men are marrying daughters of God. This was prohibited when they came across the Jordan. Moses is saying, it wasn't good then, and it's not going to be good now. See, see how simple this is? Just read it, think about what, what would a Hebrew person have known. I'm prohibited from that. Oh, look, this was really bad back then. In fact, God does something about this one. What does he do? Well, whatever became of the heavens and the earth, we learned, sin Sin came in and did bad things. Whatever happened to Adam? Adam begins having children. Adam finally has someone he names Noah. This is so great. This is the next three chapters is Noah. Oh, I've given you the answer. Mm, i got to change that. Okay. Well, look at number two. The testimony of two witnesses is required before judgment can be rendered. Right, the testimony of two or three witnesses. Who's running around while Noah is building the boat, testifying about God? Enoch, you'll do this when you get your timeline. I'm telling you, you, this is one of those things you're gonna you're gonna put it in your safety deposit box, and you're gonna you're gonna pass it on to your children. Enoch and Noah are out there talking about God. Two witnesses. Before the flood, on the testimony of two or three witnesses, God sees what's happening. He's not happy. He's got two witnesses who are saying, this is not good. And he says, that's what I need. The testimony of two to three witnesses, Enoch and Noah. And you say, go read, I'll tell you, go read Jude 14 and 15 and go read Second Peter 2, 5. And you'll see that Noah, was, Noah and Enoch were um, preaching during this time. So the testimony of two witnesses, God basically condemns the earth. Noah preaches for 120 years. Can you imagine building the boat? And while you're sawing and hammering, you're also, mm-hmm, God's this. Do you know how much Noah knows about God right now? Think, think about, a, you know, like a big post-it note. That's all he knows. But he's building the boat that alone is a testimony to he believes god but then he's also preaching amazing this this person this guy in the family tree of faith he preaches for 120 years all right now let me see if oh yeah i don't want to do that yet oh gosh okay what time is it oh ah mm. uh. One of the ways to take how long Noah preached or, or when God says, I'm not going to strive with man for more than, you know, his days are going to be 120 years from now on. If that's the case, there's a lot of people who exceeded 120 years for a while. Uh-oh. <laughs> I don't know what you think about that. I'm not sure. That, that bothers me. Why would people live longer If God said, I'm not going to struggle with them for more than 120 years, because maybe that's not the best interpretation. Or I shouldn't say best. Perhaps a better interpretation is that at what age did Noah have children? 500. At what point in his life did the flood come? 600. God shows up and says something to Noah when he is 480 years old. And he says, build me a boat. I'm going to bring rain. Cool, cool. Boat. Got it. Got it. What's rain? Because at this point, the earth has only been watered by the subterranean waters. Well, uh, I'm going to make water come from the sky. got it, got it, big boat, <laughs> lots of water, lots of water coming, coming from below, coming from above, rain, you say, rain, yeah, and Noah, I want you to put you and your three sons and their wives and your wife and one of every, uh, two of every animal on this boat, honey, how many kids do we have? We have zero. Oh. Huh. Okay, Lord, I'll do it. You have got to understand what Noah is hearing. (laughs) Twenty years before he has a child, before he has a family, God says, I'm going to put your family on this big boat, and I'm going to cause water to fall out of the sky and flood the earth. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna write that one down. <laughs> How big a boat? Pretty big. Pretty big. You should leave if you leave nothing with nothing else tonight, think Noah was a man of faith. Unbelievable. Can you imagine if somebody would have come to you twenty years before you had children and said, By the way, this is going to happen, and you and your family are going to get on this boat that you're going to build. And it's going to take you 100 years to build this boat. (laughs) Uh, But you and your whole family, I'm going to put them in the boat with the animals, and you're going to go along the top of the water because I'm going to flood the earth. You flood the what? (laughs) Flood the earth. That sounds like a big flood, Lord. (laughs) Noah is an amazing As are all these people in the family tree of faith. What they know and have heard of God is this big. And they are obediently and in faith saying, Yes, God, I will do that because you say so. I will do that. Don't start on applications yet. We'll get to some. Whatever happened to Noah in your book chart? Well, the rains come, the flood comes, it drowns the earth except for Noah and his family. And we find out all the way through, uh, all the way to the end, whoops, that's chapter 10, chapter 9. Yeah, all the way through the end of chapter, uh, uh, verse 29. Verse 29. Of chapter 9, we've learned about Noah and how God preserved him and his family through the judgment. Well, whatever became of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, why were they singled out ahead of time in your book chart? Whatever became of those guys, or whatever became of Noah? Well, Shem, Ham, and Japheth became whatever happened to Noah. Shem, uh, or, uh, uh, Noah has three sons, and they land, and then, oh gosh, Noah is also not a perfect man. And so Noah enjoys um, his wine just a little bit too much one night. Ham goes in, which he shouldn't have done. He goes in, he goes, <laughs> He laughs, and he goes back out, and he tells his brothers. His brothers put a blanket over their back, and they walk in this way, and they, they put the blanket over their father to cover his nakedness. And Noah wakes up. Not terribly happy with Ham, kind of curses him, uh, and so that's really not a good thing. But these sons of Noah populate the, not the known earth, but at least this part of the earth. And you can see these little symbols. So Ham has got the little uh, white oval. Look at the countries that have little white ovals. Oh, Egypt. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Philistines, Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites. If you've read any of the Old Testament, you go, I know. These are baddies. These are people who were never, ever friendly to Israel. So Shem is actually the the good guy, he's the line of faith, and you can see uh, some of his descendants and how far to the north they were, and they also went a little bit to the south and a little bit to the east. So these three sons of Noah are now, their children, are beginning to populate the whole entire earth. So whatever becomes of the heavens and the earth. Sin comes in and really, really messes things up. Well, whatever happened to Adam then? Well, Adam begins having children after his image and likeness. Okay, well, what happens there? Well, he finally has a a relation called Noah. Noah, an amazing man of faith... And Noah builds a boat, and God shuts him in and sends him on top of the waters and brings him through the judgment to the other side safely. Well, whatever happened to Noah? He has three sons. Well, these three sons then populate the entire earth. Okay? Well, then whatever happened to Shem? If Shem is the guy, whatever happened to Shem? And so chapter 11... Beginning in verse 10, this is the account of Shem's family. And so Moses traces all of these things. The point of Shem is someone named Abram. We're just going to call him Abraham because God's going to change his name to Abraham. I know his name changes from Abram to Abraham, but I'm just going to call him Abraham. What's the big deal about Shem? Shem has a relation later on. Called Terah. Terra has a son called Abraham. Abraham is where the covenant comes into play. Okay, so in the family tree of faith, Moses is traced. What happened to this great earth? Very good, everything God did. Yeah, oh, God. sin came in. How did it come in? Through that crafty, wily Satan. That's how he came. That's how sin came in wrecked the human race. Well, whatever happened to that? Well, Adam began having children after his own image and likeness. Well, so what? Yeah, that was a big so what. That was a real big so what. Well, what happened then? Well, two lines of people started coming from from them. One, the family tree of faith side, and the other not. And they begin intermarrying. And God says, well, no, we're not going to put up with that. So he's going to wipe out the whole entire earth and start over with Noah. He starts over with Noah. Noah has three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. They begin to repopulate the entire earth until chapter 11. At one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words as the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, which is also another word for Babylonia. Oh. you should underline Shinar and write Babylon on top of it because you're going to see Babylon show up throughout the rest of the Bible. In fact, in, chapter, or in uh, the book of the Revelation, Babylon figures prominently. It has since Genesis 11. It goes all the way to the end. It's a key part of the story, Babylon. They began saying to each other, "'Let's make bricks and harden them with fire.'" In this region, bricks were used instead of stone, and tar was used for mortar. Then they said, "'Come, let's build a great city for ourselves "'with a tower that reaches into the sky.'" This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. Uh, These guys don't want to do what God wants them to do. The Lord comes down to look at the city and the tower the people were building. Look, he said, the people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down and confuse the people with different languages. Then they won't be able to understand each other. In that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world, and they stopped building the city. That is why the city was called Babel, because that is where the Lord confused the people with different languages. In this way, he scattered them all over the world. Now, we can argue over when this started, but somewhere in the 1980s, a couple of great computer scientists created this thing. Called www. And now the whole earth is united again with one language. And what is the entire, what is humanity going to do? They're going to build, this was a ziggurat, right? You know, it's like a stepped pyramid. They're going to build another ziggurat and bring heaven to earth. That is their goal. Sila. This marvelous internet is a marvelous, wonderful thing. It's also a way to get humanity reunited under one language. Now nothing we do will be impossible. Whew. Except the Lord's watching. So what happens to Shem? Somewhere down the line, he has a relation called Terah who is the father of Abraham. What I'm trying to argue for in these first 11 chapters of Genesis is obeying God's Word is the key to usefulness, fruitfulness, and blessing. Now, I mean obeying as a God follower. Okay? You're a God follower who is obeying. Do you see this in... Anyone in the first 11 chapters? I hope so. I hope you see it in the family tree of faith. A couple of applications. First, do you ever walk in Adam's footsteps? He's walked with God, he knows what's expected of him, but he allows others to persuade him to compromise. Do you ever walk in Adam's footsteps? Do you ever walk in Noah's footsteps? He's a righteous man. He takes God at his word and obeys, but lacks self-control over his fleshly appetites. Do you ever walk in Noah's footsteps? If you do, like I do, then we have some great things to talk to the Lord about. And I entrust that you'll do that this coming week. For next time... If you thought we were moving fast, here we go. It's just 13 chapters. You can do it. Genesis 12 through 25, you're going to read about Abraham. Abraham, humongous central figure in almost the entire Bible. And we know so little of Abraham. But hopefully after next week, you will learn a lot about Abraham and it will change the way you see the Scriptures from here on out. Read Genesis 12 through 25, please. So Let me pray for us. Father, thank you. Thank you for the example of these God followers. Um, Adam and Noah and Shem uh, and Terah. Uh, and Abraham. Uh, Father, there have been many, many, many God followers who have gone before us uh, to whom we may look and learn from. And I pray that your spirit and your word would help us to look in a mirror after we study their lives and ask ourselves the question, are we obeying what we know of you? Just like... um, I'm amazed at Noah, and just as Noah did. Uh, thank you that Noah wasn't perfect, or else I would lose hope. Uh, but I have hope. And thank you for the Lord Jesus, who not only deals with my shortcomings, but knows that I am uh, below zero and takes me to the highest places uh, in Him. Thank you for the Lord Jesus. We thank you for your word, we thank you for your spirit, for one another, for this church, and would you continue to bless us, please, for Jesus' sake, amen.